Hello and welcome to the first episode of Yubcast. I'm Jamie and I have the death sentence on 12 systems and my co-host is Matt. And I'm a walking carpet. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so this is a podcast that intends to discuss current Star Wars events and the backlog of Star Wars cartoons going back to the 70s with a adult spin on it. I thought we'd briefly discuss our fandom, what brought us to Star Wars, so Jamie? Alright, well, I was uh, two when Star Wars came out. I don't know if I was actually in the theater. My mom took me to see Jaws in the theater for some reason, but I don't know about Star Wars. I was right in that sweet spot of being a kid, and Star Wars was just everywhere, and it was just pretty much part of my life. Part of pretty much every kid that I knew's life had tons of tons of toys. I actually have some of my old uh, coloring books uh, behind me. I've just loved it forever. And I was a latchkey kid and watched Return of the Jedi so much that I can pretty much verbatim do every little sound that the Ewoks make. And I'm trying to uh, get myself a 501st um, armor kit going, but it's just a lot of money. Yeah, I have a similar-ish story. I'm a little bit younger than you, but not by much. I was born in the early 80s. I had the bootleg HBO copies of Empire and Jedi on a VHS tape that I watched so much, I wore it out and then had to get another bootleg copy. I was actually quite old before I realized that there was a new hope. I still loved it, even though it probably shouldn't have made as much sense to me as it did. I had the toys as a kid as well. They were all lost to sandboxes for tattooing scenes. And now that I have kids, I'm enjoying recollecting the toys with them. Yeah, I had had a ton of toys, but as soon as G.I. Joe came out, I stupidly destroyed a lot of Star Wars figurines because they didn't have all the articulation that G.I. Joe's had. Right. G.I. Joe's were a superior action figure. Uh, I was a latchkey kid too, but my mother would not allow me to play with G.I. Joe, so I actually had had a pretty long tradition of going to antique stores with my mother and going through the toys and buying all the Grimorian guards <laughs> in the box. <laughs> so moving on to the current state of Star Wars a little bit, I'm pretty happy with the Disney stuff. We're going to get to exactly where we are in the timeline in a minute. I'm cautiously optimistic with what Disney's doing with Star Wars. Yeah, I, I, so am I. When um, it was first announced, I remember I remember where I was at work, and then pretty much all productivity stopped for the day. And we pretty much were all just talking about Star Wars and what we wanted to happen, and we were all just bouncing off the walls. I've been I've been pretty happy. They've kind of had a little bit of misses with some of the uh, Marvel stuff, but Star Wars seems to be kind of their flagship now, eclipsing Mickey. So uh, it seems like they're doing it right, but... You never know. They could get sloppy. And and you mean that they've had some misses with their Marvel Cinematic Universe movies, like the Ant-Man's and those? Well, like the Ant-Man, I didn't. I thought Ant-Man was pretty funny because it was it was unlike the rest. It was more like a, a caper kind of movie, but just the Avengers and like sure. like all the Iron Mans except for Iron Man One. It was just nothing but just one one-liners, and they're not even good one-liners. Just constantly bringing in bigger, better, bigger, better enemies. You know that just you know less plot more like transformers were just like well look what we can do sure but they uh 
you know, they they brought in, you know, a lot of people don't like him, but I think J.J. Abrams has done a good job, and so is uh, Gareth Edwards. You know, Star Wars is now being made by people who grew up loving Star Wars. So one of the things we're going to hopefully do in this podcast is keep it generally positive and discuss our fandom and, and how that's going to work and with the new canon and everything. So we're starting out the podcast by discussing our fandom, and I have to say that I was never really into the EU for some reason. Yeah, I I tried. You know, I read I read the Thrawn books when I was in high school, mm-hmm. and when I moved to where I live now, uh, I didn't have pretty much any money, so I thought I'd revisit it and uh, got the first one from the library. And I think I got maybe a few chapters in, and just something about it was just like, uh, I, I I can't I can't do this. Something about hot chocolate, just Lando introducing Luke to hot chocolate or something. It was just like one of those <laughs> wink, is those wink. Wink, wink, sort of things like Star Trek would do every time Spock was on, and somehow Kirk would get brought up or something. And it's just like, oh, geez, give me a break. Yeah, I've got like some like EU books, like reference books, but it was mainly just just so hungry for Star Wars. We've talked about it before that we kind of considered it more of methadone until some new Star Wars came out. Right, it was the dark times, and people don't, especially now, people probably have a hard time understanding that there was a time when wearing a Star Wars T-shirt was socially weird. Mm-hmm. And there were just wasn't any Star Wars, and people didn't understand why people liked it anymore. It took twenty years, but people forgot about the movie. Mm-hmm. And the only thing left was a book about a blue guy and a clone of Luke. We held on to that crap for the time, and I like that they're pulling in the stuff that worked and readapting it. I actually enjoy that. I don't consider that an insult to the EU at all. The opposite, in fact, I consider it quite an homage to the EU. Yeah, I um I miss a lot of the games. Right. Yeah, some of them were a lot of fun, like, like Dark Forces. That was mm-hmm. that was a lot of fun. It's pretty dated now. Uh, Knights of the Old Republic was great. So was uh, The Force Unleashed. It's nice to see some of that stuff's being brought in. Like you said, there was Darth Revan. There was an animated portion of The Clone Wars where Darth Revan was with Darth Bane when Yoda was on Mortaban, not Korriban. But it was a never finished, but it's something that you can find on the internet. Yeah. And that, yeah, and then say, you know, like, like Sam... Uh, uh, Whitmer, who who was a star killer, he's you know the voice of Darth Maul. I think he was Sidious as well. Yeah. So Pablo said on multiple occasions that he wants to make Revan uh, canon, and so I think that's just a matter of time. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully there will be a decent going back in time, or not not like a Star Trek going back in time, but just like a super prequel where they just tell a story from way back when or somehow it's referenced they i mean they reference the mandalorian wars in rebels so it's uh one way or another it's bound to happen yeah i'm on board if they want to go back in time if not yeah. go back in time like back to the future back in time but tell a, a story from thousands of years ago i'm i'm down all right so i guess next what we wanted to talk about is this podcast right now being recorded where are we in the production timeline oh this is Maybe a few months before uh, The Last Jedi comes out. Uh, Rogue One's already been out. There's that Han Solo movie that's in the works that's in trouble, not in trouble, who knows. And then um, that Obi-Wan movie is rumored. We're coming up on The Last Jedi very quickly, but we know nothing about that movie. And so if you're listening to this in the near future even, you probably... We're curious why we don't talk about The Last Jedi. We don't know yeah. anything about it. The Han Solo movie still doesn't even have a title. Ron Howard is directing it for some reason because they had to go get Hollywood royalty Oscar bait to <laughs> finish a movie about a smuggler. 
Yeah, that. Uh, <laughs> I, I I don't know. I mean, we'll see. This that's the one movie. It's like he's cool as it is. Don't make a whole movie about him. It kind of destroys the whole mystique. Yeah. About him is just like knowing everything about Wolverine kind of made him a little less cool. Like he was just this crazy guy who had like metal skeleton, metal claws, and like basically couldn't die and is a killing machine and then you tell all his story and it's just it's not as interesting or even like the boba fett i'm not a huge fett guy but uh you know he was just kind of this mysterious character yeah we'll get the boba fett in a few minutes but uh i agree we know nothing about episode nine as well which will end the sequel trilogy except that they fired their director as well and yeah abrams has brought back been brought back and the internet is up in arms as usual yeah, and to really, really focus in on where we are in the timeline, that just happened. Abrams just came back like a week ago, and everybody is pissed for some reason. But I guess it's like Ben Affleck being Batman. Everybody has, uh, you know, an idea in their mind of how it should be. You know, Abrams is not that person they want. Uh, the guy that did Black Swan or something like that. They need to go with somebody who's got proven talent, I guess. I mean, you have to look at their timeline they have a production timeline that's incredibly illogical. Almost seconds after they hired him, they pushed the release date back six months. They were supposed to be shooting right now, and by all reports, they're writing it right now. right? And so they had to get someone that saw their vision already, that understood what they were doing and where they were going. It makes perfect sense that they went back to the other director. Right. How much do you think uh, Carrie uh, Fisher's passing had... Uh, to do with it, because they had there had to have been a a decent rewrite. In my fantasy world, we get a very thorough behind the scenes telling of what they had to do. Um, but this is Disney, and so we'll never know. My speculation is that she was probably likely to be the character from the original cast that survived the sequel trilogy, and obviously that's not going to be the case now. Hmm. I never thought about that. I after episode seven, I've tried to just erase all expectations. Yeah, so I'm not disappointed. If you if you look at the three though, if you think that the story, the original trilogy, is about Han, Luke, and Leia, and they killed Han in the first movie. They probably wouldn't kill anybody in the second movie, but it's a big handoff to kill Luke in the third movie. They don't uh, have to kill Leia. I know that would upset you. <laughs> But they, but they, there's no reason to kill Leia. Like she's, it's partially because they made her so minor in the Force Awakens too. That's that's part of part of my disappointment yeah. in this whole thing. It's like I was expecting her to have a much bigger role in sort of being the nucleus that all of this forms around. And now I don't see how they do that. Right. It, and they better not kill her off camera. I'll be so pissed to be like be like killing Poochie. <laughs> Poochie's dead. <laughs> I have to go back to my home planet now. (laughs) (laughs) Episode seven does seem to be Leia centric because why, you know, the whole, the book, they're they're really bringing her, you know, bringing some kind of like meat to her character. I love that book. Yeah. It's gotten, it's growing on me. I'll say that. Oh, I meant bloodline. Oh, bloodline. Yeah. No, you're talking about the new Leia book. Yeah. Yeah. I'm about halfway through. Yes, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves right. on that. 
let's just rank the movies so people okay. can understand who we are. Why don't you go first? Okay. Empire Strikes Back because it, it holds up. Mm-hmm. Um, everything this, is your, about, this is best to worst, right? Best to worst. Okay. Right. And then uh, after that, Rogue One. The only reason it doesn't isn't number one is just because maybe just because of um, you know growing up with the original trilogy, I'd have a really tough time putting something above an original trilogy movie, especially Empire. But Rogue One just blows blows everything out of the water. I I watch like the Battle of Scarif constantly. You know, just while I'm um, at lunch or just walking the dogs or doing whatever. It just amazes me. Okay, that's that's great. The Rogue One's so high on your list. Um, after that, A New Hope, because it's still great. I mean, some of it's a little dated and some of George Lucas's tweakings are kind of eh. But it's still, still a great movie and it holds up. After that, I've got The Force Awakens. Might... You know, you know, be considered exactly you know, a new hope uh, 2.0, but uh, I, I really, I really enjoyed the movie. Um, and after that, uh, Return of the Jedi, because you know, I, I watched it so, so much, I, I know it almost all by heart. And then Return of the Sith, Attack of the Clones, and The Phantom Menace. Okay. <laughs> and you. <laughs> They sort of rushed through the last three. <laughs> they don't need to be named. Yeah, so Empire, I sort of waffle a little bit. Empire Strikes Back and A New Hope, to me, are almost perfect movies. And so it depends on the day of the week, but I usually just say that they're both good. Like, they're both my top movie. And actually, my I watch Star Wars all the time with my boys, and A New Hope is their favorite. And so I've seen that a lot lately, probably 20 times in the past year. And every time I see it, I'm shocked that I notice something new or <laughs> or see something cool. And so I can watch those movies whenever, those two for sure. And then I sort of, once again, give a tie to Rogue One and uh, Return of the Jedi. I love, love, love Rogue One. We've had a discussion that we can probably have in this podcast at some point of how I would have fixed Rogue One, quote-unquote fixed it. But uh, that's just me being, me kibitzing the movie the final battle is perfect. And yeah, I agree. It's Star Wars that we we've waited for for a long time. But Return of the Jedi, that's another movie I watch with my kids all the time because and I love it. It's got Jabba. It's got the Ewoks. I'm a big Ewok fan. I was the perfect age for the Ewoks when they came through. I love that movie. I think it's another great movie and that second Death Star battle is amazing. Yeah, I agree. I think that brings me to the prequels, though. <laughs> and I'm somewhat of a Lucas apologist at times. And I have watched the prequels a lot in the past few years. Once again, because of my kids. And I thought, like, let's watch Phantom Menace because it's a little kid movie. And when my kid, when my son was three, he loved the Phantom Menace. He thought it was hilarious. We don't really watch it anymore now that he's six. <laughs> um, he sort of outgrew it, which tells me a lot about the Phantom Menace. But we recently watched Revenge of the Sith together for the first time. It's probably the movie I've seen the least. I've sort of forgotten how crazy violent that movie gets. And I I enjoyed it, but it sort of terrified my children. I, yeah, I, I liked it a lot more when I saw it, but upon, or when I saw it initially, but watching it 
again and again and then hadn't seen it for a while then i watched it with my son and and i was just like oh oh man what is this it doesn't it it doesn't hold up but it is my favorite of the prequels still and that's not saying much but so i go revenge of the sith the phantom menace and then attack of the clones is an unforgivable bad bad movie how hard is it to write a love story (laughs) apparently very hard fucking movie is a love story copy any of those it would have been better if it was like some stupid rom-com starring matthew mcconaughey you know who has force powers inexplicably (laughs) that would have been a better movie and all his all his ex-girlfriends are jedi ghosts and they're trying to teach him a lesson on on how to love again and not turn to the dark side or something like that don't listen to these ladies they are crazy yeah, let's call Disney. <laughs> We've got the reboot right here. <laughs> I'll just uh, I'll take my uh, payment in uh, large dollar bills, please. Yeah, it'll be it'll be Mickey bucks. <laughs> <laughs> Only good at food stands at Disneyland. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'll, I'll have to go live there. You want to briefly discuss the state of the additional media coming out of Disney right now, slash all Disney subsidiaries? I think we're both pr- uh, pretty big fans of uh, the cartoons. Obviously, we're doing a podcast about it. Um, the books, the comics are, I think they're all really good. You know, some of them get a, a little bit more wild, like the, the comic books, Dr. Afra and the Darth Vader ones, but they're still really enjoyable. The All the books that I've gotten... Uh, the new canon, I've been pretty much enjoyed them all. There hasn't been a real turkey out of any of them where I'm just like, oh man, I can't, I can't sit through this. Like even like when I finally got around to aftermath, it wasn't nearly as bad though. Maybe I was expecting it to be a pile of shit, and it 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 wasn't. So I was like, oh, all right. Me right now, I'm halfway through uh, Le- uh, Leia. I'm in the middle of uh, Poe Dameron Volume Two and the. Uh, Star Wars Volume 5, which is uh, Yoda's Secret War. Right, where he finds those children. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert. I'm really looking forward to Battlefront 2. I, Battlefront 1 was a lot of fun, but I like a good uh, campaign game. So I don't like playing online a lot. And the only person I can really play is my sister, her fiancé, and my son. And I just destroy my son in uh, versus games it would be nice to you know play a star wars game where i could uh you know i could just go through a story right yeah i think we're pretty much in agreement about the disney canon i've kept up on all the novels and the adult young adult novels too for the most part and i've been pleasantly surprised by the quality there's a little bit of clickbaitiness to them at times but uh generally a solid catalog and then i'm all in on the comics i took my oldest son to free comic book day a couple years ago and darth vader number one had been released to the same day and i just picked it up and i'm like let's get darth vader number one see what this is all about and i read it and i loved it and that was it ever since then i've gotten every single floppy and every single trade paperback and just read them all captain phasma's out currently that's the new one and mace windu the new miniseries i'm going through those now and star wars dr Aphra and poe dameron are the continuing and the darth vader um, prequel comic is going right now too and i'm thoroughly enjoying that right 
I love the comics and I love I love the books, so keep them coming. And I love Rebels. Rebels is the current cartoon. We're right before season four, which is the last season. It hasn't started um, yet, but it starts in a couple weeks, I think. So I'm really excited that it's starting back up. Yeah, I, I still I still watch uh, Twilight of the Apprentice all the time. Just like right. that was just some of the best uh, writing and visuals. Just uh, just the end of it. Not even the okay. Spoiler alert: Ahsoka and Darth Vader battle. But just the end of it, where it's just you know just playing the music, where Vader limps away, Ahsoka disappears. Um, you know the um, Kanan and Ezra come back, and you see the look on uh, Captain Rex's face, and then you know cut to everybody in the Ghost, and then you see Ezra. I don't know if he looks upset or just concentrating, and then you can just see the sith holocron opening up and you're just like oh shit yeah that's a very good uh closing to that episode so rather than talk about rebels though we're going to go in chronological order from the beginning and talk about the cartoons produced by lucasfilm um starting in the 70s and we're going to go one episode for every cartoon episode so i think we should probably get into it all right because of the following special program, Wonder Woman and the Incredible Hulk will not be presented this evening. So, we're starting with the much-loved and often viewed and easy-to-find 1978 Star Wars Holiday Special, which contains a 10-minute, approximately, cartoon short in the middle. Where did you dig up that old fossil? So, I wanted to ask you, Jamie, at the very top... When was the last time you saw the holiday special? <laughs> I assume you didn't watch the whole thing for this. No, I have yet to do it because I'm uh, I'm one of those people that watches movies and then when there when there's some sort of uncomfortable spot, I'll just like be like, I can't watch. I don't know why. I have a feeling I'll just be like pretty much doing that the entire time, just like looking at my phone or you know like finding anything to do other than watch uh watch the cartoons or the holiday special i just i can't do that to myself (laughs) yeah you probably wouldn't make it through then because there's a scene where chewbacca's father or father-in-law basically plugs himself into a masturbation machine (laughs) jesus it is a disturbing and terrifying program that it was apparently aired on like CBS in the 70s and fans are not alone in hating this was it just a cash grab i mean i don't i i wish i understood um why it was made i have a feeling that everybody came to from their cocaine vendor like <laughs> 6 months later and they're like we did what <laughs> I mean, because there's nothing redeemable about it except B. Arthur singing at the end. I'm your dry friend. Try stopping by, friend. And possibly the cartoon. People consider the cartoon to be the high point. That's, oh, jeez. That's, you know, the fact that, like, you know, like, like Lucas, like, is seems to have gone to great lengths. Like, Jerry Lewis the day the clown cried, you know, sort of links to kind of like keep the holiday special 
from ever seeing the light of day. <laughs> it, uh, oh, jeez, I don't know. I don't know what the hell they were thinking. So, uh, I wish I would have looked up this quote now. I meant to, but there was something that he said in an interview that was roughly, if I could buy and destroy every copy, I would. <laughs> well, uh, too late, yeah. George. It's all that. You, you blew all your money on flannel and Diet Cokes. I bought a bootleg DVD of it recently within the past two years because I thought it would be something to have. And um, I probably should have mentioned this before, but I collect Star Wars content. And so I have like the omnibuses of all the uh, Marvel comics from the 70s and 80s and every single version I can buy of the movies. And I've been looking into getting the despecialized editions. So when when I figured that I could buy like the Ewok movies on bootleg DVDs and and the uh, holiday special, I went ahead and did it. But I watched this on YouTube, so I didn't have to watch the whole thing again. I watched the holiday special on roughly Life Day last year, though. I I can only imagine watching that uh, Chewbacca's dad real doll scene, and then your wife just happens to walk in to get something out of the room and you know you're just like covering up the screams like it's not what it seems not what it seems i'm not watching this gorilla masturbate (laughs) 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 do you ever see the movie congo where the the ape had the or the gorilla had the uh the glove like it was a power glove that that allowed it to talk Yes. See Chewbacca's dad be like, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, right there. That would have made the holiday special better because the first like 30 minutes of it is just unsubtitled Wookiees growling at each other. <laughs> <laughs> now I want to like, like just get myself a nice strong drink and just sit down and watch it. Uh, I probably won't, but... It sounds good, at least right now. <laughs> yeah, it sounds pretty awesome. It's it's tough to get through. There's a lot of Cirque du Soleil 1978 crap in it. All right. So I don't think we should review the whole holiday special now, especially since you haven't <laughs> seen it in a while. We're going to focus on the cartoon that's in the middle. And so I have to give it a little bit of context because the holiday special is produced as a variety show, but the wraparound plot in the variety show that gives it all context is basically this Wookiee family watching television. And so all of the acts, the acrobats and the cooking shows and the cartoon that they see are them flipping around on the channels. And so what we're, what we're looking at is a, an in universe cartoon that Chewbacca's son lumpy is watching about his father. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Fucking stupid name. <laughs> All right, so we're going to come back to Lumpy, so keep laughing. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if Lumpy does a Menendez brother thing on Chewbacca. <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you name me Lumpy? <laughs> Or for being a deadbeat dad and hanging out yeah. with Han Solo all the time. So the the title of the cartoon is called The Story of the Faithful Wookiee. It's also listed as the Unidentified Rebel Cartoon. Um, I think the 
in-universe name of the cartoon is the story of the faithful Wookiee. And for some reason it is described in other literature as the unknown or unidentified rebel cartoon. It was produced by Clive Smith from the Nelvana Animation Company, which was at the time not a well-known but a somewhat well-known animation company. And the story I read online was that um, George Lucas saw a short movie called The Cosmic Christmas and decided that they should hire this company to produce this cartoon for their variety show. And I'm a sadist, so I found The Cosmic Christmas and watched it. Wouldn't that be a masochist? This is me and my most masochistic. That would be a masochist. The sadist would be me making you watch it. (laughs) (laughs) So I watched it, and it is basically the, the Christ story as told to three aliens that come to Earth around Christmas, and they learn about the meaning of Christmas. And they sort of look like ring wraiths, but animated. And the animation style is very similar to the Star Wars Holiday Special, except the Star Wars Holiday Special is a little bit more leaning into the wizard sort of heavy metal style. Yeah. And less into sort of like the silly, slapsticky style of the Cosmic Christmas, which you can find on YouTube if you really want to see it. I don't recommend it, though. <laughs> Unless you really need to know the meaning of Christmas. Uh, I'll put it on the list of things after I watch uh, a bunch of... Uh, Russian dash cam fights. <laughs> that's the that's the nice thing about working with the people who are a lot younger and who grew up with YouTube. They know all the crazy stuff. The, yeah, the animation is just bizarre. Droids is like this a little bit too. That's just so so wacky. It's not even like the animation that I remember as a kid in the cartoons that I that I watched. It's just weird and creepy. So I, I want to run through the plot of the episode before we get too much into the production itself. Alright. Um, so now we're Lumpy. Lumpy's our stand-in for the audience and we're now watching what he's watching, which is the story of the faithful Wookiee. So like all good Star Wars, it opens in space, but there's no crawl. It's just a voiceover. And it's a shot of a rebel base on a ringed planet. Captain Kazan on a ship called the Revenge, using a star log dating system that we never hear before or after, <laughs> is making an entry about this mission. And the mission was to recover a talisman that supposedly makes things invisible, although this has never paid off at all in any way. The Millennium Falcon is coming back to the base after recovering this artifact, and it's seemingly out of control. Um, they're afraid it's going to hit the base, but it completely misses. Yeah, I, I never understood why Chewie... Maybe I'm getting ahead of myself, but that doesn't make that whole thing didn't make sense to me. Well, it depends on how long we want to spend on this, but <laughs> I know I didn't. Sh- I know I didn't share the script with you um, until shortly before we started. But if you look in the folder on Google Drive. Or I can just pull it up real quick. The script I put in there is not the shooting script. It is the fourth draft. And the plot of the cartoon makes way more sense. Um, to where, like, the Millennium Falcon does a maneuver to, at the last minute, sort of miss the base. Which would have made way more sense. Stop judging it. <laughs> Alright, let's just keep going. 
Um, so the Millennium Falcon misses the base, and Luke, C-3PO, and R2 go after them in a Y-Wing. And I just want to throw this out there. I love that it's a Y-Wing. Yeah, me too. I, I, I thought that that was actually kind of neat, that, you know, seeing Luke fly, uh, fly a Y-Wing. I didn't know that they had two seats in it, though. Yeah, it looks like there's more than two seats from the shot, but yeah, we can we can we can look that up too. Why don't you Maybe look that up while trainer. I? Yeah, can you look up the if there's two seats in a Y wing while I finish the? Uh, yeah. So all of them crash on a water moon or planet. They use the word moon and planet to describe it in the Pana system. The water is filled with dinosaurs that start to eat the ship, and this is when our friend Boba Fett shows up with his tuning fork. And he saves Luke, and he t- takes them to the crashed Millennium Falcon. While on board the Falcon, Chewie has the Talisman, and he destroys it by throwing it into the ship's reactor. While this is happening, Luke passes out. I forgot to mention that Han Solo is passed out for some reason at this point. They realize that the humans are all being affected by a bioweapon released by the Empire that is somehow attached to the Talisman, and they have to hang them upside down to keep blood flowing into their heads, otherwise they'll die. Boba Fett and Chewbacca go together to the city to find the cure, which is sold in drugstores, apparently, as all effective bioweapons are (laughs) easily cured by over-the-counter medication. Um, But when they get there, you realize that Boba Fett is actually not a friend. He is working for Darth Vader. Please put yourself in the mind of a 1978 person. They don't know all of this. (laughs) This is the introduction of Boba Fett, unless you count that parade. But he keeps on saying friend. Yeah, he says friend like 60 times. <laughs> <laughs> so R2-D2 and C-3PO somehow hack into the FaceTime conversation Boba Fett is having with Darth Vader and learn that he's Darth Vader's guy. Chewbacca and Boba Fett escape from the city with the cure, and Chewbacca kills a bunch of stormtroopers. Boba Fett looks pretty upset about it. They administer the cure, and Luke and Han recover completely. Han sort of looks like Mick Jagger. And C-3PO and R2-D2 out Boba Fett as an agent of Vader, and he escapes. And then jump in the air, freeze frame, credits. <laughs> so that is the plot. I don't know where to go from here. Uh, did you like it? it? <laughs> no, not particularly. It, You know, I'm willing, you know, as a Star Wars fan, and just a sci-fi fan in general, I'm willing to take certain leaps in logic to move the plot forward i realize certain people have plot armor that's how they can survive certain things but this just made absolutely no sense whatsoever first off why didn't we just land and then the rebel alliance could get the cure if he knew boba fett was bad in the first place why didn't he just kill him oh Um, yeah i didn't reveal that apparently chewbacca knew the entire time that boba fett was a bad guy oh let's see they they land on the basically looks like the kool-aid planet because the water is pink uh, Boba Fett constantly saying friend I, that just drives me up the wall for some reason I didn't notice it until like the second or third time I was watching it and the, the second time I no- definitely noticed it and the third time I was like how many times does he say it and then I watched it right before we started this call tonight and all I could hear was him saying friend he says it literally six or seven times in a ten minute show right and then C-3PO uh, waits to uh, like to out him until the very last second, I, you know, like why didn't you know? And C-3PO is kind of a bit of an idiot, but like why wouldn't he just say he, he's a traitor? You know, he's a traitor. He's a you know, dark, he's a bad guy instead of just, hey, we're all friends now. Oh, by the way, I just remembered that we actually caught him talking to Darth Vader. He's a bad guy. He did forget that uh, forget that he had a communicator in uh, A New Hope. That is true. <laughs> so like you're a robot, you can't forget. 
um, <laughs> like then like the Japanese le- oh, I want I don't say Japanese lettering, but just the um, it looks very much like a um, like like some like, like Japanese kanji at the beginning. It looks like, like a Mister Sparkle commercial. Right, exactly. For some weird Star Wars language that you know that never took off, and just like the droids don't, they move in a weird fashion. Like C three PO has three fingers. Oh, does he? Yeah, I didn't notice that. I, I I completely agree that that actually the visual interpretation of the droids was called out in multiple sources that I read about the uh, cartoon style and how that was intentional and like how like they they look rubbery is supposed to be intentional. And we're definitely going to talk about it in droids, because these two characters and this con- this art concept is carried forward in droids. I, I don't... I don't... Like you said, that they're, they must have been doing, just doing so much coke <laughs> that it's just like... It seemed like such a good idea at the time. That this, is, this is the team that brought us Howard the Duck, so... That's it. No more Mr. Nice Duck. Well... When I was a kid, I loved Howard the Duck, for, for some, but I was a kid. Watch it now. That's <laughs> nah, all right. <laughs> so I was curious about the friend thing, and it only occurred to me tonight when I was watching it for like the ninth time. C-3PO has this thing where they're following him in the Y-Wing escape pod, which I didn't know that was how that worked, but they detach from the nacelles. Sorry for the Star Trek term, but they detach from the nacelles and then they scoot away on the water following Boba Fett riding his dinosaur off to look for the Millennium <laughs> Falcon. C-3PO says, do you think it's wise to follow someone that we just met? And Luke says, he seems like a friend, which Luke is just completely a naive idiot in this entire episode. And he's just parroting back that Boba Fett just called him friend three times. And he's like, he seems like a friend. He said friend. And then C-3PO says, friend is merely a term that is often misused. You're right. That was like I think that was like one of the uh, one of the brighter moments. You know, they must have had a moment of clarity before they you know stuck their nose back into the big pile of cocaine. That uh, you know, Luke's pretty naive. I mean, he believes you know he, he meets Obi Wan and automatically believes in the Force. But did did Boba Fett look like he had like a third eye on his helmet? Because like right above, like right in the center above his visor, there's a little symbol that looked kind of like an eye, and I could not stop watching it. Yeah, I noticed the design of the helmet was slightly different too. We're talking about in the center, you're not talking about the dent that they put in the side. All right, the, the center. It looks like right. like it makes me think of like the that all-seeing eye that's on the on every uh, dollar bill. Yeah, I, I did notice that, but it wasn't a design element that carried forward. And I don't own the action figure that they made based on that Fett appearance, and so I can't confirm that. Oh, they did? Yep, they made... Oh, it's the, man. It's the only action figure from the from this piece of Star Wars media, and uh, it's actually really cool, and it's on my list. And you can get it on eBay for like 12 bucks right now, but I just haven't gotten around to it. He's got the tuning fork and everything. <laughs> I think it was in the Saga collection, so he's got he's well articulated too. He's got knees and ankles and wrists and stuff. I looked up the exact exchange in between Luke and C-3PO when they're talking about Boba Fett. And C-3PO says, Don't you think it might be imprudent to trust him so quickly, sir? Luke says, He's our only chance. And besides, he seems like a friend. R2-D2 makes a noise. This group says, 
C-3PO says, indeed, friend is merely a term that is often misused. And Luke said, did R2 say that? And C-3PO said, more or less. The only reason why I'm pulling it out is because the line and the exchange seem so out of place in the episode where it's just a bunch of crazy shit that's happening. And it's so feverishly paced because they basically squeezed an entire cartoon episode into nine minutes. That why would they waste time on this exchange? Unless that's the th- the moral of... Because Lucas loves moralizing. And is this supposed to be like, your friends aren't really your friends sort of thing? I don't know. I'm probably way overthinking this, but I... Yeah. I would think that that sort of thing would be at the end. You know, everybody learns a valuable lesson. Uh, yeah, everyone learned that. They should listen to Chewbacca, even when he's <laughs> sleep driving. Didn't the stormtroopers look like look like they're like they're like dogs wearing stormtroopers helmets? Yeah, they they didn't quite get the profile right when they were walking. They had they they did have like these extended faces and snouts. It was pretty interesting. Yeah, it, yeah, the whole thing just felt like I needed to be, you know, like somehow Im- impaired to to fully you know appreciate it. You know, I, I guess the best I could do was take a bunch of cough medicine or something. But yeah, it just it seems so much like 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 heavy metal, you know, just um, or you know, kind of like uh, what was the South Park episode where they um, the cats where they're the, yeah the cats where they're cheesing and they have the cats <laughs> spray sprays them with pee. I think it was Major Boobage or something like that. Is that yeah? Is that the one? Yeah, that's yeah. the one where they, they, they hallucinate going to the rock and roll or the heavy metal land. I haven't seen that in forever. So I have a question for you. Is this canon? And by this I mean, is is the holiday special canon? I hope not. I'm asking your opinion. We're not Pablo, so we can't we can't decide. Hmm. Well, if this is canon, then does like the Ewok movies have to be canon? No, this is case by case basis. I'm asking. I'm asking if there's anything in here that directly contradicts facts that we know in canon, um, and whether or not this can be considered canon. Well, from what I can tell, the uh, Y wings are just a single seater, but <laughs> they, they could be a. They could be a. It could. They, he could have taken a trainer. Um, that would have a uh, you know a, a spot for uh, an instructor. Sure. I'm gonna uh, while you, while you debate this, I'm gonna hit you with a fact. Lumpy is canon. Was he in aftermath? He's in aftermath, and it's what the was... same character's name, whatever his long name is, Lumparwaru or something. That's Lumpy. Oh my gosh. I didn't. I didn't know that because I. I oh my god. <laughs> well, Luke Skywalker is in there, and he's canon. That still doesn't mean. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. That's a good point. But but that means that Chuck went to Pablo and said, "I want to make Lumpy canon," and Pablo said, "Go ahead." Um, I I choose for it not to be canon. Me too. <laughs> with can, with canon elements inside of it. You know, they were just, it was the 70s, you know, nobody knew any better. They're just trying to ride that, you know, the tidal wave of uh, popularity. No, it cannot be canon. Even even if it's made canon, I will, I'll, I'll be, I'll be somebody who'll just like, 
whoever can hear me saying that it's not canon. I refuse to, you know, I'll be like Grandpa Simpson in Missouri, you know, like uh, I'll be dead in the cold, cold ground before I recognize the, <laughs> the holiday special. Yes, I agree. Um, I think I was not a fan of the Aftermath books, but they got better and they grew on me. And I actually had a nice conversation with Chuck via Twitter because that's something we can do these days um, about the books. And uh, I think that they have their place. And just because he pulled Lumpy into them doesn't mean that he pulled the Star Wars holiday special into it. I think it's funny, um, personally, because I know the Star Wars holiday special is not, I wouldn't call it forgotten, but it's not watched. And in fact, whenever you ask anyone who is in it, which we should mention if we haven't, that all of the voices in the cartoon were voiced by Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill and Anthony Daniels and Harrison Ford and James Earl Jones. Mm-hmm. These are the actors that they got for this nine minute thing. Star Wars was recently out of the theater and they're planning its re-release at this time. And so this was a period when the movie wasn't in the theater. And so I guess they were just riding that cash wave of thinking that they had written a bomb and then wrote the most important movie of the 70s, 80s, and 90s, you know? Mm-hmm. And so everybody was in this thing for them. They were all probably under contract to, to, to do it, but I watched an interview with Anthony Daniels that said, if you watch this, you'll die. It was pretty bad, actually. Mm. It's in the kind of black museum of, of crap, so... I don't, I don't think it will ever escape. But you will die if you watch it. <laughs> yeah, just... I'd have to think they're under kind of because uh, Harrison Ford does not, you know, he is he does not like to. He's kind of the kind of a bit of a grumpy old man, you know. He's he seems like a really great guy, but he you know he distances himself from Star Wars a bit. It seems like you know he'd have to be under contract or you know have a a gun to his head to do something like this because he wasn't even in the. Um, the NPR uh, radio broadcast. It was uh, it was another actor. Oh, really? Yeah. That's surprising to me because uh, back then he wasn't anybody. You know, he was in he was in one movie before this, and he was actually like a cabinet maker that George just hired, and he just had this charisma. And he, he wasn't Indiana Jones yet, not 1978, but he did have a weird contract with them, where he wasn't signed on for the third movie, but. Both Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill were signed on for all three movies. And so he got to renegotiate a really sweet deal for him to come back in and, and Jedi. And we all know that he requested that Han be killed, um, but he didn't get that wish until Force Awakens. Spoiler alert. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, go watch The Force Awakens. <laughs> um, I have a couple other, couple other notes I wanted to bring up about the cartoon. Um, so, one, there's a Dianoga in it. So when um, Boba Fett and Chewbacca are riding their dinosaur into town before they have to scale that cliff face, because that's apparently the only way to get into town, they're riding through the Kool-Aid and a Dianoga is flashing about in the water. And I thought it was a Dianoga, and then I looked it up, and it is a Dianoga. It's in the script, described as a Dianoga flashing about. So that's sort of cool. I I like that sort of stuff. And then you're going to hate me. For this, but okay. do you recall in oh. A New Hope? What were you going to say? I said, I, I have it on YouTube. There it is. You're right. Oh, you're scrubbing? 
yeah. Okay, right. then I'm going to pull it up because I want you to scrub to a specific point. So give me one second. Um, so go to 6.15. God, Chewbacca just looks like a, like a Care Bear or, or something. Sorry, go to 6.16. And there should be like a bug wearing spectacles and a knobby knee in, in the center of the frame. I see it. See the knobby knee? Mm-hmm. So there's a scene in A New Hope where Luke is selling his land speeder because he's recently followed, decided to follow this cult leader who's convinced him to sell all of his possessions and follow him on a quest off the planet. <laughs> and so he's selling his land speeder to that weird-faced alien. But there's a scene where a two legs walk through the frame, and all you can see are these big knobby knees. And since we're such big EU fans, we should both know that that is a ostrich-like alien who's 3.5 meters tall and named Kalfalal Syndros, and her species is a Korsov. Oh, you, of course. And the only, the only thing you see of her in the movies is her knee. And it walks through the frame, and it's that big knobby knee. And at 6.16 in the cartoon, that same knee walks through frame. This is them, and I find this, this is stupid. I freely admit it, and I don't care about the name or the backstory, how she had to have a custom ship made and taught that two-headed monster in Jabba's Palace had to be a pilot in some comic or some Tales from Jabba's Palace short story. I like this because it's them referencing themselves and in a really stupid way, <laughs> right? They intentionally, someone intentionally walked those stilts through the frame when Luke was selling his land speeder, and then they did it again here. For some <laughs> unknown, inexplicable reason, this ostrich alien is here twice, and I love that. I love it. <laughs> I find this highly entertaining. And also, just in general, Star Wars has such wonderful alien designs. It's perfect for cartoons, and they completely shit the bed on this crowd scene. Yeah. <laughs> oh, do you know? Did you notice that um, the doorway that they're coming out of there's um, when they first get into the city, the alien that's like sitting down, it's hooded. It's the same alien that that tells the stormtroopers where they are. I I don't know the name of it. Grindin. But it has a, Grindin. Okay. Grindin is the name. Grindin. Of, is the name of the spy, the spy on, in Mos Eisley who who points the stormtroopers to um, Docking Bay ninety four or whatever it's called. That's what you're talking about, right? Right. You know something about these old cartoons they they're ne they're never consistent on coloring. Mm -hmm. You know Boba Fett's gray, but in the video of him talking to Vader he's green. I've just noticed that like throughout all the cartoons that I used to watch as kids they just, just lazy animation I guess. They just they, they just didn't bother, you know, fixing things or sometimes you'd see things weren't even colored at all. Yeah, it's the Hanna-Barbera school of animation, you know, they set the bar so low for that sort of continuity. There is nothing, no reason to make a better cartoon. And actually, I was curious about how this was received as as an animation at the time. It was considered high quality at the time for animation. And there are things that I really, really like about it. The the shot where the Y-wing is pulling away and you're sort of inside the engine, right? And you see it speeding away from you. That's interesting camera work for a cartoon. <laughs> I'm I've got a freeze frame at like like uh, eight minutes thirty seconds, and you see Han, his face. You know, like you said, 
like Mick Jagger. It's like super long. It just looks like some, you know, surrealist painting. Yeah, and he's rocking the deep V, too. Oh, yeah. He, he just needs a little chest hair and maybe a medallion. So it shows that he's open for business. Yeah, the, the design on Han Solo is rough. The design on all of them is rough. Boring conversation anyway. At this point, we talk about uh, what's going to be on our next episode. Is uh, We move on to uh, the droids series and uh we're going to be going over the first episode which is uh called the white witch which a basic plot summary is r2d2 and c3po uh crash land on a planet that is definitely not tatooine <laughs> and uh they run afoul of some local gangsters and hilarity and hijinks ensue yeah it's your basic boy meets girl story no, it's going to be fun. I uh, I originally wanted to do this so we could watch droids together. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because, once again, Why? I'm a sadist. <laughs> Why do you hate me? What did I ever do to you? Don't answer that. <laughs> no, it, it's going to be fun. Uh, I've got a lot to say about the White Witch. That's it for our first episode. I hope you enjoyed it. As you can probably tell, we are not professionals, just two friends who want to share our love for the Star Wars with the internet. Please be patient as we figure out how to edit and make the show a tight hour. I hope to see you next week. Thank you for downloading and listening to this episode. We would also like to thank Jordan White for the use of his cover of Yub Nub as our intro and outro music. Please refer to the show notes for photos, clips, and links from this episode. Side effects from listening to Yubcast may include dizziness, dry mouth, a sense of confusion, and decreased sex drive. Serious side effects may include speaking in Ewok, speculating the origins of prequel characters, and wondering why two grown men discuss children's cartoons on the internet. For a complete list of side effects or to complain about the show, please visit us on Twitter at Yubcast or drop us an email at noochvaderproductions at gmail.com. Thanks again. We will see you again next week with a new episode. Yubcast is not affiliated with Lucasfilm or the Walt Disney Company. Star Wars, its characters, and creations are the property of Lucasfilm and its parent company, the Walt Disney Company. Yubcast is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. Dun, 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 dun,